The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and excited to be here with you this morning because we're going to be talking about the thing that I need the most help with, which is stress-free mornings. Um, just keeping it real that um, I am not an expert in this subject. I'm the person who's doing the most research on it because I'm the person who needs it the very the most. So there we go. Uh, but thrilled to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, as I said, I'm Shannon Penrod. I, I Good morning, Michelle. I identify as a proud pony. That's a parent of a neurodiverse individual. And uh, that's something that I take very seriously, that my goal in life always, first, first, last, and center, is to be a good ally for my son and uh, for other people who are on the autism spectrum. This show, our entire show, in fact, everything here on the Autism Network, our mission is to provide information and inspiration, and that is to that larger autism community, which starts, of course, with individuals who are themselves on the spectrum, but then it also includes everyone who loves them. That's a very important distinction for me because I feel like if we, if, if somebody posted this the other day on Facebook, I'd love to remember who it was so I could credit them, they said, if you want to support people on the autism spectrum, then you have to also support the people who love them. That that only makes sense because in supporting those people, then you're doing more to help those individuals on the autism spectrum. That's our contention. That's what we try to do here on a daily basis. Uh, Parker says, will these tips help the adult population like a 21-year-old who just aged out of the system? I hope so, Parker. And I want you to tell me if you think that it will as well. Because I, here's what I want to say is that these are things that I have had to come up with because they're to help me. Me. Um, because I am an adult who struggles with some executive function stuff. And it's funny, somebody wrote in the other day and um, uh, when we had uh, Lois Lechfield on and they said, you know, what about teaching executive function skills to teenagers and adults, what do we do about that? And, um, and I had mentioned that one of my favorite books is by Dr. Adele Nadowski. And this morning, as I was running to get here on time and late and didn't have all my crap together and I don't like my outfit and I didn't have time to put my makeup on properly, I have no eyebrows on right now. Uh, like, how could that have happened? And I was thinking exactly about Dr. Nadowski and what she would have to say about my presentation and what she would have to say about my morning. Um, <laughs> because she is really the person who uh, talked to me the most about executive functions and how to teach executive functions. And it was at a time when my son was entering his teenage years. And the thing that was fascinating about it to me was that I was learning as much for me as I was for him because nobody gave me these skills Nobody talked about this in high school. I had one teacher in college who talked about how to get yourself ready in the morning, and I thought she was ridiculous. I was like, well, how is this even a part of this class? Um, and, and now I use what she taught me more than probably everything else that she taught me. Isn't that ironic? Parker says, I'm 25, but my friend's the brother advice. had some issues with aging out of school. Luckily, her sister married a SPED teacher in the next county over. Isn't that fortunate? That's a very fortunate thing, Parker. But I think that executive function skills, um, which the way Dr. Nadowski explained executive function skills to me, she said, you know, wherever you are right now, what, you know, you're, you're someplace and you got there somehow and you're either prepared or you're unprepared. She said, I like to take the example of you're going to a conference. And so, you know, you have to make your reservation ahead of time. You have to put gas in your car. You have to have all the materials that you're taking to the conference with you. You have to have paid your registration to go to the conference. Then you need to get to the conference. That might mean taking a car or a plane or whatever, and you have to have your tickets for that. Then you get to the conference, and you have to check in and, and into the conference, and you have to check into your hotel. And it's all these little things, these little steps that you have to do in order to be sitting at the conference ready to take in the information for the conference. Now, you could change conference to school, work, um, you know, going 
you know, to a doctor's appointment, anything. But it takes all of these little itty-bitty steps to get there. And anywhere along the line, you can get thrown off. And then, you know, like let's say you've got everything in order and the phone rings. And you need to be in the car by 9.12 to be someplace, right? But the phone rings and you answer the phone because you got distracted from what your goal was and you answer the phone because you have that FOMO, fear of missing out. What could it be on the phone? So you answer the phone instead of getting in the car. And you think to yourself, well, I can take, start the call and get in the car, but that takes two minutes and then something else takes two minutes and suddenly you're late now. So executive functions is being able to set a goal something that you want to do, and then identify what the steps are to get there, and then check in in regular intervals to say, is this working? And I think that this is very key with what we're going to be talking about this morning, these stress-free mornings, because what I was doing this morning wasn't working. Okay, but first let's say this. Uh, We're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and about a dozen other sites. Traven's going to start to show those to you right now. Uh, I like the little sun, our early morning sun there, uh, Traven. Uh, we also are a podcast, and we're available pretty much any place where you can download a podcast for free. I like to put that um, little asterisk after it because we're, we're not on subscriber podcasts. I, I keep trying very hard to make sure that this is free to all of you. Uh, Parker says routine is key. That's absolutely true. If one little part of the routine is off, meltdowns can occur, and that's not pretty. But we have, to, we have to plan for, you know, we plan, and then, then the next step in executive functions is checking to see if it's working. And then we also have to troubleshoot when it's not working. And so if something goes off the routine, we have to be able to have a skill set to be able to deal with it. Joanny, good morning from the suburbs of Philly. So glad to see you here. Um, okay. So really, this is for anyone, whether it's a teenager, an adult, on the spectrum, off the spectrum, to help us to have stress-free mornings. And I do think that one of the things that's important about this talk is that we acknowledge that, um, first of all, we are people who can model behavior for other people. So that's super important. Um, But that everything isn't going to always work. And I'll use today as an example. Now, I do want to say, I say this all the time, that uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm a parent. I'm not an expert. Uh, I am not a BCBA. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not even an expert in anything. Uh, (laughs) Even putting on my own makeup, as is evidenced by today. Uh, So these are parent-to-parent tips. This is a parent saying, you know, here's what I'm trying to do, and you guys can write in and say, here's what you're trying to do to make this easier. Uh, We've started this new thing when we do the top 10 tips that I'm going to motor through them really quickly and not really do a lot of explaining of what they are, but just to give you a feel for what they are. And then I'm going to go back and we're going to go through each one uh, with a fine-tooth comb because I think I actually have some suggestions for each one that will actually help. They're going to sound a little like rudimentary if, you know, as I power through them. But if you want the whole thing, go back and, and watch that. So here we go. Let's motor through this. Top 10 tips for reducing stress in the morning routine. This is a parent-to-parent discussion. Okay, number, uh, well, first I forgot. First I want to say why. Because it sets everybody up for success, you and everybody else in the house. There, there's only one day we get. We never get to relive this day again, so we might as well make it really good, right? Our kids are worth it, and we're worth it. That's why, okay? We're going to come back to that. Number one, streamline breakfast and lunch. I'm going the opposite way here. Streamline breakfast and lunch so that it's easier for you. Number two, create a positive get-out-of-bed moment. We're going to have fun talking about this in a second. Number three, streamline dressing. This is what I, where I totally messed it up this morning. Okay, number four, put on your oxygen mask first. All right, number five, pack the night before. I also blew that this morning. Number six, use visual schedules and prompts. We're going to talk extensively about this. Number seven, praise, 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 praise. It is probably the most important thing for making the more, and it's praise for yourself too, right? We're going to talk about this. Number eight, create pleasant leaving moments. This is where a lot of us kind of... We're too tired by this point. We don't get this done, so we're going to lock this in. Number nine, model breathing. 
not that this is a model that she's breathing. We need to model breathing for our kids. If we can't do it for ourselves, let's do it as a modeling exercise to show them what it looks like when somebody is breathing to get ready or get out the door. Number 10, send them off with love. This is probably one of the most important things to me that uh, is overriding, capturing the whole thing because when you think about, you're gonna take your child and take them somewhere. Now, it, it might be that you're taking them down the hallway to a therapist because they're gonna be working at home with a therapist or it might be that you're taking them next door to grandma's or it could be that you're driving them across town to take them to school or it could be, in my case, that you're driving them across town to get them to college. Um, you know, but we're sending our, the people that we love the most on this planet, the people that we want to protect and be an ally to the most on the planet away from us, and that we need to make sure that we are setting them up to go into their day with the best possible feeling. I think you'll find that if we do that, then we'll also be setting ourselves up for the best possible day. So, okay, that's the, those are the 10. That's what we're going to be talking about. Let's go back to the beginning. You ready? Uh, and Traven, are you going to do it for me or do you want me to arrow back? <laughs> he did it. Look at that. Okay, let's go back to this why. You know what? I always say that our why is probably the most important thing because if you're not motivated to change it, it's not going to happen. If you don't care about the fact that your mornings are stressful and that you end up going wherever you have to go in tears and your child is frustrated and feels like, like they got it all wrong, if that, doesn't, if that isn't enough for you, then, you're, then you don't need to work on it. But if that is not what you want, and let me be the first to raise my hand and say that I really have been saying the last couple of months that I gotta change my morning routine because I have been a crab in the morning. I've been like yelling at people and like, I gotta go, I'm always late and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I'm really working on it. And, and I really have to get very clear with myself that it has to be one of the most important things to me that I got to set the day up for everybody because it isn't just me. I, you know, that's not my reality. I don't, I, I can't speak for all of you, but my reality is that if I get up and I'm in a bad mood, it affects everyone. It affects my two dogs. It affects my husband. It affects my son. It affects my coworkers. It affects the people that are driving on the highway with me. It affects the friend that I talk to in the morning. So I have to take some ownership of that and say that I, we all are little circles of influence and what we are experiencing affects other people. And that I can't just decide to be miserable in my own little pocket of mornings are hard because mornings are hard, right? But these are the only days that we get. You know what one of my favorite movies on the face of the planet is? Uh, it's the movie About Time. If you have not watched this movie, it's an older movie. It's probably at least 10, 12 years old. Um, but it's a great movie, and it's, it's a movie about what it means um, to go through a day and how we might go through a day. And every day that I think about that movie, my life is better. So watch that movie. I used to give it as Christmas gifts when DVDs were still a thing, but I'm sure there's a place that you can watch it or rent it or whatever. It's a great movie. But it really brings home the message that a day is a thing, and you don't get to do it over again. But if you could... If you could go back and do a day over again and not have all the stress, how much more you would enjoy all the little things that there are to enjoy. And the, the reality is we don't have that option, but we can choose that option anytime we want. That there are always things that we can get upset about or get stressed about. They're always there, but we can also choose other things as well, like gratitude. We can choose to be grateful for the fact that you know, we are who we are and that we have our kids and that our kids are amazing and that it's not always easy, but that, you know, we have this privilege that we get to be with our kids and it's not all bad. And you might be facing some really bad things right now, but I bet if you stop for a couple of minutes, you could find something to be grateful for. Like, even if it's the fact that your kids aren't missing, right? That right now your kids are safe. Whew, right? 
Doesn't that just put it all in perspective? So if these are the only days that we get, then why not make them happier? And what happens in the morning kind of colors the day. So, um, and the truth is that our kids are absolutely worth it and that we are absolutely worth it. it it's going to feel weird in the beginning when I start to talk about some of these things. Years ago before I had a child, I one of the things that I did, because I was the, the responsible person who wasn't married and didn't have kids, so a lot of times um, people would ask me to watch their kids. Listen, I had, <laughs> at one point I think I counted, and if, if there had been some sort of natural disaster, there were all these people who had asked me, if anything happens to us, will you take our kids? And if anything had happened, I think there were 32 kids that I was had paperwork that I was the person who would have the kids. Those kids are all grown now. It didn't happen, thank God, um, for them and their parents and everything. I would have thoroughly enjoyed being with all of them. And I said yes, because I wanted all of them. But there was one time that a friend, um, had a friend who was leaving town. Her and her husband were going away for a conference that she really wanted to go with him. And they had kids that they had, they had a baby who was probably a year and a half, two years old, and they had a girl who was 11, and I think the boy was like nine, right? And they're all out of college. This is how long ago this was. But uh, mom kind of went through, I was gonna be with them for four days. And she only knew me through the friends, so what a leap of faith for her, right? But she, um, she was like, okay, so here's the deal. For my daughter, you know, you have to get her clothes ready the night before, before school. And I was like, really? Uh, really? That seems so, I don't know, boring. Um, and now I totally get it. Now I totally get it. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, all right. Well, you know, I can do that. I can do that, but I just don't see why. And I, and I was like, what will happen if we don't have the clothes ready? Now I know. Uh, and it's not pretty. Why would you put somebody through that? So um, <laughs> it's one of the things on our list. Uh, because, <coughs> excuse me, it's worth it <coughs> to set yourself up for success. And it's not the same for everyone. Like there are some people that need that thing of getting up in the morning and looking in the closet and picking out the thing. And if they can do it quickly, and if it doesn't stress them out, that's fine. So this is not a one size fits all. Um, but uh, let's, let's start with number one here, shall we? So the first one is, I don't know why it didn't go for me, Traven. There we go, nope. I think I double did it. Okay, streamline breakfast and lunch. So look, food is important, nutrition is important, and you don't wanna send yourself or your kids out the door without food. Now there's a whole bunch of people who are gonna argue with me and say that breakfast is not the most important meal of the day, and I'm going to say to you, I don't agree. I don't agree. Uh, having been a teacher and having sat in classrooms where kids didn't get breakfast, uh, I'm just gonna say I don't agree that um, at some point you, and maybe it takes you an hour before you're hungry, and I hear that from a lot of people, I can't eat for the first hour, the first two hours when I get up. That's fine, but then you have to pack something so that you can eat when it's time to eat, right? And if your schedule allows for that, great. They don't usually, I mean, you could say to your kids, teacher, look, they can't eat first thing in the morning, so I need for them to have a mid-morning snack, and that's gonna be when they have their breakfast, right? That's customizing this for who you are, but kids need to eat before lunch. Really, everyone needs to eat before lunch. I love the term hangry um, uh, because I think it really describes the state that a lot of people get in, but it's not just angry that people get. People get uh, depressed, people get um, anxious because when your body feels, when your body starts sending signals to your brain going, mm, I need food or water, because this is also about hydration, it means you're already past the limit and your body is saying, danger, Will Robinson, danger, right? And I don't think we wanna get our kids into that state. Um, you know, they've done all kinds of research about keeping your blood sugar level, which means eating at regular intervals. Um, and when we don't have our blood sugar straight, ooh, it's not pretty. Parker says, what about if there's food aversions involved? Like I know a person that only eats a certain brand of potato chips, for example. Here's the thing. I'm going to say this, and then everybody can argue with me. But if you have to be out the door Monday through Friday because you're going to school, I would say on Monday through Friday for breakfast and lunch, we don't work on aversions. We're not trying to, I mean, like I've got this terrible picture here that's got all the kale. 
I don't, I am a vegetarian, I'm a vegan, and I don't even like kale. Uh, <laughs> but this was the picture that I found. Um, and, but I did like this because it's sort of non-traditional. Like, um, our, my son, when he started going to school, he, I, I noticed he would come home every day and we would pack a lunch because he was gluten-free, dairy-free, and he would come home and he would not have eaten any of his lunch. In fact, he would come home and he would sit down and he would voraciously go through everything that was in his lunch, like in the car or right as soon as he got home, and I would go, why are you not eating lunch? Well, some of it was that it, it wasn't reinforcing enough what I had packed for lunch to get over the fact that he suddenly had all these people to socialize with, and that took up a lot of his bandwidth, right? Um, and some of it was just like too time intensive, but you know what we started doing? We started going on Sunday afternoon, and we would get a pizza from the pizza parlor that made the gluten-free, dairy-free pizza, and we would segment it out and put uh, pieces of pizza into easily openable Ziploc bags, and we would stick them in the, some, the, you know, towards the end of the week, we would stick them, those ones in the freezer, and the other ones we would stick in the, the refrigerator. And people were like, your kid has pizza for lunch every day? And you know what I want to say to that? It involves my middle finger. You do what you have to do. It was important to us that we not be setting off fireworks for him, and, but that he got nutrition. And we noticed that he would eat the pizza for lunch. So, and it was relatively healthy pizza, right? Everybody needs to get over it. It's food. They need nutrition. It wasn't flaming hot Cheetos. You know what I'm saying? So I think if, if your kids have to be somewhere, and I said Monday through Friday, but the fact of the matter is if they have to be there on Saturday and Sunday too, where you need to be going someplace and there's other stress factors, do the thing that they will eat I guess within a certain amount of reason. If all they want to eat is ice cream, that's going to be really hard to do. And it's not going to be good nutritionally. So, um, so uh, all right. Uh, I just started making G, uh, G-Feg pancakes over the weekend and just reheat. Man, was that helpful. That's fantastic, Joanna. You know what I love? Uh, Trader Joe's makes a frozen pancake that's gluten-free, dairy-free. I don't know if you have Trader Joe's where you live. They also make waffles. But there's also, there's a bunch of different brands of waffles that are GFCF. And, you know, you can stick them in the microwave for 10 seconds or you can put them in the toaster oven and they're good to go. I, I even for a little while was making a breakfast sandwich with the Vans waffles. And they make them in different flavors too. You have to be careful and read the box because Vans makes several different kinds of waffles. It's only summer GF. Um, so you have to kind of look out for that. But yes, this is what I mean about streamline it. I love somewhere, I'll have to ask Traven to see if he can find it. We have a What's Left with Lisa Ackerman where she used to make these egg cups. And we have a, we have a whole recipe for it that you can learn. But she basically took muffin pans. And as I recall, I feel like she put a little bit of shredded potato in the bottom. So it was like a hash brown on the bottom. And then an egg mixture that had a little bit of day of cheese in it and a little bit of vegetables. And then she would bake it in the oven and pop them out and freeze them and take them on the go. We love right now, uh, we got them at Costco. Bob's makes these little itty bitty muffins that are GFCF um, that are fantastic and you don't have to freeze them. And they're teeny tiny, but I can throw two of them at him and I know he's got something. Do you know what I mean? And he knows that he really does most of this himself now. I have to be honest about that. But um, if he's in a rush and he's a little bit behind, I can throw those at him or he can grab them and he's got something for later on. We also used to love the little Lara bars. There are some of them. Most of them are GFCF, but a lot of them have almonds and my son couldn't have almonds. So we really loved, there was one called the cashew cookie. Um, that I would, I still have some of those in the, the little thing in my car just in case, right? Um, so streamline that. Uh, I have a, a friend that every Sunday night, she, you know, her kids aren't GFCF, but she and her daughters, they have this uh, thing that's like a, it's a container, a plastic container that has a lid on it. And they sit and they make their sandwiches and line them up in the thing so that all they have to do is pull them out and stick them in the sandwich bag. I think it's just as easy to stick them in sandwich bags. And by the way, 
there are lots of different kinds of sandwich bags. If you don't love the plastic ones, we used to get these little uh, wax paper bags that were super for packing things in. Um, yes, May, I agree. They need to eat something. Uh, okay, I'm reading here. I hear you, Shannon. My daughter loves mac and cheese. Perfect in the thermos. She expects it every day for lunch. And, you know, we, did, we went through that phase where uh, my son really wanted a hot lunch. And so, you know what I did? I, I, I helped myself. This is how I streamlined uh, the breakfast was that we always had, we had the little squat thermoses that were the wide mouth. And I got myself two. Um, and I got myself one of those wide mouth um, funnels that's for canning. You can find it in the canning section of like if you go to Walmart or Target even has that stuff now. It's a little red thing, but it's basically a funnel and it goes right on the top of the wide mouth thing so that when you pour stuff in, you don't get it everywhere. And it's faster, right? But uh, so we would always have one because if I didn't remember to unpack his lunch and clean the one out, then I would always have a new one for the, the day made my life so much easier and you know uh it was it was great so yes may they need to eat something uh jessica says thank you for all you do your blessing to me as a single mom of two boys one high functioning autistic good for you jessica i'm so glad you're here so streamline this breakfast and lunch thing because if you're having to do a lot in the morning this is a place where if you can finesse it you can make your life easier. Now, it might be that you're still cooking the mac and cheese, but like I said, having two thermoses was what helped me. Ask yourself the question, what would make this easier? And that's really what you wanna do about all these things. What would make this easier? And the breakfast and the lunch thing is a place where a lot of us get hung up. Uh, what I do for myself now at work, Traven will tell you that uh, once every couple of weeks, I you know leave on my lunch break and I go to the store and I buy groceries for here so that I have stuff for lunch because if I am having to pack my lunch before I leave, I will get here at 11.15 after the show is over, <laughs> which is not gonna work, right? So how do we help ourselves? Ask yourself what would make this easier. Okay, uh, let's move on to number two here. Uh, create a positive get out of bed moment. Oh, this one's a hard one, right? Because a lot of times our kids Think about it. Our beds are this safe, warm place, especially this time of year. I don't want to get out of bed. I'd rather burrow into the covers and stay there. And sometimes that's why I'm late this time of year because I, I haven't given myself something to get up for. And I think with our kiddos, it's really important that we create some sort of a positive get out of bed moment, not yelling at them. Um, that's, you know, it's a way to get people out of bed, but it really sets up the day for tears and meltdowns, them and for you, right? So ask yourself, what could you do to make it fun to get out of bed? It could be that I know some people who, when your kids are smaller, that you pick your kid up and you hug them and you rub their back and, and you sing a little song and you dance around and you go, hey, let's go turn on a cartoon, whatever. Um, but then when, when it gets time to go to school, first of all, you can't pick them up anymore. It, you know, and they get like, I don't want to be touched. And you turn on the cartoons and you can't get the cartoons off, right? So it's important to start another new routine. Now, for older kids, it could be as simple as that an alarm goes off and plays a song that they like. Um, that's fun for them, or maybe the song changes. Maybe there's a playlist of things that um, help them to start to come awake. Uh, maybe there's a song that you guys sing together. I don't know. Maybe there's something that they get to do in the morning that is, you know, is the thing that they love to do the most. If they have something that they perseverate on, as long as it's something that's only a couple of minutes long. But cre take the time and ask yourself what would make it fun for them to get out of bed. What would be the exciting... Now, some people jump out of bed and are excited to be moving. I'm not related to those people. Uh, <laughs> I don't know them, uh, but good for them. Uh, <laughs> and if you already have that, then you can skip this one and go on to something else. Um, uh, Jessica says, I make sure to feed my oldest at home before school. He has taken his medication and has an issue with throwing up. They send him home for two days when he vomits and he isn't sick. Oh, jeez. Um, okay, so when he takes the medication um, and he doesn't have food, he throws up. I'm not sure that I understand. 
Uh, and she says, he's so good in the morning. I'm so glad. Uh, and he's my alarm clock most days. Boy, those are the good times when your kids are waking you up, right? Um, but you might find that that'll shift a little. I don't know how old he is, but uh, when hormones kick in and then suddenly it is that teenage thing where they like their bed more than any other place. Um, but I, I don't know. I would have a conversation with the school and get a nurse to sign off on the fact that the medicine might be what's making him throw up and that they can't make him stay home for two days if he throws up. If he doesn't have a fever, like, I, I think that's some paperwork you might need to do, but they can't, that's discriminatory. You know, have the doctor write something, talk to the school nurse. Uh, they're afraid he's contagious, right? Um, but if he doesn't have a fever and if this is a normal thing, I think there just might be some paperwork on it is my feeling, but let us know what happens with that. Uh, okay, let's go on. So I, I'm really counting on you guys to figure this out. But, but if you have the, the task, okay, how can I possibly make this positive in the morning? I know that you guys will, knowing you and your kids, you will be able to figure something out that will be positive. Uh, number three is the streamlined dressing. Okay. And as I said, this is where I really got it wrong this morning. It's easier when your kids have a uniform. Uh, now, the uniform doesn't have to be a school-approved uniform, but there needs to be some kind of a uniform that um, even, you know, if it's, it, okay, they're going to wear pants and they're going to wear a shirt, right? Um, that we come up with, like I think about my son's high school, and, and they were like, well, you can wear khaki pants, and if you wear khaki pants, here are the three color shirts that you can wear with the khaki pants, or you can wear the black pants, and here are the three colored shirts you can wear with the black pants, right? So there was room for you to, like, you know, create it the way you wanted to create it, but there were specific guidelines. And you know what? That helped us. That helped us a lot. Um, because it helped me in doing the laundry. It helped my son in, in doing the laundry as if he did that a lot. Um, but it also, you know, it's great to have freedom of choice. It's really great to have freedom of choice. But when you're in a hurry, choice takes time. And I'm not saying do this always, but especially for places that you have to be in a hurry, have a uniform. I have a uniform that I wear here on the show, right? I... I always go to the store and I look at all the pants that are different colors and I go, just do the black pants. Just just do the black pants. Why do you have to be difficult? Just do the black pants. Now, on the weekend, I can wear whatever color pants I want. I can wear wackadoo pants. I can do whatever. But for here, if I, <laughs> and I, I put on leggings today because I, I just really wanted to wear leggings today. And, and then it was, you know, mayhem because you can't wear every top with the, with, you know, anyway. Make it easy on yourself. If you need to for your child, like take pictures of this goes with this and hang them on the wall um, or put, you know, depending on where developmentally your child is, you know, if it's, I hear parents say all the time, well, it's the dead of winter and he's wearing shorts. Well, um, maybe it's time to take all of the shorts out of the drawers and put them someplace and label it summer clothes, right? Um, and Or you put... You know, uh, what I did was I put shorts in the bottom drawer and uh, shorts and sweatpants in the bottom drawer and I put pants in the second drawer or we hung up pants, right? And we said, here are the rules that during school, these are the, the clothing, clothing that you wear, right? So that it becomes a little automated, but within the automation, notice I said streamline, not totally automate because we do want there to be a level of choice. Okay, so you can wear these three color shirts you pick which one you want to wear, but that when you're buying the clothes, you have that in mind. Do you remember Granimals? Oh, man, I wish they had a Granimals for adults, uh, right? Because Granimals, it was like you you pick, they, they had little tags for kids' clothes, and it was like, so this one has a lion on it. So the shirt is a lion. It'll go with any of the pants that have lions on them. We could do that for our kids if we just say, so this goes with this, this doesn't go with this, this isn't appropriate for school, this is, right? Streamline it. Put it all in one place. School clothes are here. Play clothes are here. Weekend clothes are here, right? So that it makes it easier. You know what you're doing. They know what we're doing. And it'll make it easier when you go to buy clothes, too, because you'll know what you're out of. Um, Jessica says, it's not the medication. I stopped him from eating the school, oh, the school breakfast. I think it's his anxiety at the time. Since stopping the breakfast at school and feeding him before he leaves, it's helped a lot. That's great, Jessica. 
Uh, Michelle says, very helpful tips. Thank you. Uh, the other Michelle says, my girl looks like box of crayons every day. That's how she rolls. And you know what? I love that. Like, you know, but if, if that's, if she's able to go and go, I want to put these clothes on and I'm going to put them on, I'm going to feel good about that, leave that alone. Like, I don't think, but it's when kids are like, I don't know what to wear. That's when we got to streamline it. If it's taking them more than two minutes in the morning to pick out what they want to wear, then it's time to say, okay, if you want to be a fashionista, then we got to pick it out the night before. And you can get, they. this is the old closet designer in me, they have these telescoping rods that you can put either on the top of a door um, or next to a closet, and it, it pushes in or you pull it out, and you can hang up tomorrow's outfit right there. Yes, you're welcome. Um, right? Uh, but if it's taking more than two minutes in the morning to pick out the outfit, it either has to get totally streamlined or it happens the night before so that we take it off the morning plate. It can be the ritual before we go to bed at night, which actually helps us to go to sleep. Uh, Jessica says, I called the pediatrician and got no response, so the nurse knows it uh, has always been an issue. He has issues uh, seeing certain foods. Uh, and don't be sorry for all the comments. Oh, my goodness, we love the comments. Uh, never apologize for that. Have you thought about doing systematic desensitization for the seeing certain foods? Because this is a very common thing in the autism community, right? That certain foods, even the visual of them, will make our kids sick. And um, it's not a great way to go through life. And we've seen many, many times that they take those kids and they start very slowly and take them through a desensitization for those foods and get them to the point where they can eat them, not only just see them. It's a very slow process, but you might as well start, right? Because, um, you know, that's no way to live. There was one little boy that um, we did a series on that if he saw a banana, he would scream and cry and be traumatized and, like, just the thought of eating a banana and he would, like, start to gag, right? He eats bananas all the time now. So, uh, yeah, did it take, like, a year and a half? You betcha. But by that time, he was four, and now he can eat bananas the rest of his life if he chooses to, or he can choose not to, but he's not going to like have a, a visceral reaction every time he sees a banana because that's a hard way to go through life. Okay, I think we got the streamlined dressing here. Oh, number four, put on your ox oxygen mask first. Um, you know what this means, right? That so often we'll put everybody else's needs first, and a lot of times when we're trying to get out the door, we get up and we... Tr I don't know, it's like an illness. We get up and we go, all right, I'm going to take care of the dogs first. I'm going to take care of, you know, my child. I'm going to get him out of bed. I'm going to get him dressed. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then suddenly it's five minutes past the time that you were supposed to go. And you are standing there in your nightgown and your slippers with your hair and your makeup nowhere, right? Um, I'm going to tell you that what the smartest women on the planet have told me is that if you need to be someplace and you need to be ready, get up and do your stuff first. That you will be better suited to be, because then you can give your kiddos your undivided attention and not feel all this rush, rush, rush. Um, it's hard. I have, a very, I have a harder time with this than anything else. But I know that when I do it, it actually works. We, we had friends over the other night, we were talking about there's a legendary uh, argument that my husband and I had because it used to be when my son was in treatment intensively that every two weeks we would have a clinic where we had to be at the clinic, which was, you know, significantly far from where we lived and in rush hour traffic. We had to be there by 9 o'clock. So we were going to be in massive rush hour and I had to have this box with all of his programs in because it was before the iPads and all of that. I had to have a bag with a change of clothes for him because we were working on potty training in the beginning and all of the snacks that he would need because the clinic was going to take us, you know, basically up to lunch uh, and all this stuff that I had to have ready. Plus, I had to be ready and presentable. And, um, and it was horrible. It was horrible. Every single time that we would have to go to clinic, it was horrible. And there was one day in particular when my husband asked me just an innocent question. He, he was like, hey, how many miles away is this town? And I erupted on him, and I was like, do you not see how hard this is for me? And he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. Like, you're always late. And he was standing there, fully dressed, showered, ready to go. Um, 
and he had, you know, rolled out of bed, took a shower, and, and got ready, whereas I got up two hours before, and I was chopping the snacks, and because I didn't know how to plan it the night before, and I was packing up the thing, and packing the bag, and getting the clothes, and then I dressed my child, and then they would be standing there at the door ready, and my husband's like, you know, the car's loaded, I'm, I'm ready to go, why are you still in your pajamas? <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna kill somebody, right? <laughs> like, how do you not understand? But now I understand that what I should have done completely, like let's have that moment right here, is I should have gotten up, taken my shower, gotten myself ready. I should have packed the snacks the night before. I, 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 and then I did say that day to my husband, you know, how about if you help me? And he was like, well, what do you need me to do? And, and I was like, well, you could have gotten him dressed. And he's like, but he's dressed now. The only thing that was left to be done was to get myself ready. So there was no room for him to help. If I had gotten myself ready, I could have said, now he's ready, and I could have said, okay, now we need to get our kiddo ready, and now we need to get the other stuff ready. Then there are things that are shareable. Other people can't get you ready. So uh, get yourself ready first is the, the moral of this lesson. Uh, Jessica says, yes, exactly, like baby foods, fruits, a, a baby drinking a bottle, streamlined desensitization. Thank you. I have never heard even heard about this. So... Um, Desensitization is, is something that you can, uh, systematic, systematic, not streamlined, systematic desensitization is something that you can look up, but basically it's a process where we take something that is aversive and we, we don't flood them. That's the opposite of systematic desensitization. Flooding is when you like force the person um, to be around it and, and basically say, you know, have as much as hysterics you want to have and get over it. We never do that with children. On the spectrum or not off the spectrum, we just don't do flooding with children. But it's unethical, in my opinion. In my opinion. Uh, but uh, systematic desensitization, however, is found to be very effective with kids and adults on the spectrum, not on the spectrum, where you, you know, if something, let's say the, uh, b the banana, that a banana is something that somebody has an aversion to and it, and it literally makes them start to gag. So we would start with like whatever, like you, you put it on a continuum, one to 10, that, uh, you know, one is that I start to feel a little bit like, ah, but I'm really okay, right? And 10 is that I'm throwing up because I saw the banana. So we would try to find something that's a zero or a one, like maybe it's a stamp-sized picture of a banana and it's clear over there. And once, once he can tolerate that, then we're going to move to either a bigger stamp or a closer stamp or whatever, or maybe we're going to move to a toy banana, um, something of that nature, to, and, and we'll set it over there. We're not even going to bring it up. We're not going to talk about it. But if, if it can sit on the edge of the desk and he doesn't have a reaction, then we slowly you know, make the banana get closer and it gets more 3D and it gets more real until the banana is sitting there open right next to him. We're not asking him to eat it, but he can bear to look at it, right? Um, and same thing with noises, you know? If kids get like really freaked out about the, the bell at school, um, you know, we can lobby the school and say, get rid of the bell, we can do that. But then what happens when there's someplace and a bell goes off someplace else, right? So a lot of times what we pick is systematic desensitization and we record the bell and we have it with a tape recorder and we have it at the lowest setting where it's like only a dog can hear it, right? And then we slowly inch it up until we see that it's starting to like cause uh, agitation and then we turn it back down. So we keep it at a level where it isn't causing agitation, right? But slowly what happens is the nervous system be able, is able to take just a little bit more. That's the systematic desensitization. You can do it with all kinds of things. It's really helpful to be using an expert to do it, but you can find out so much online. And we've had Dr. Grampy-Shea talk extensively about systematic desensitization on the show. Um, uh, Joanne says, absolutely, I get up at least 15 minutes earlier to make sure I can get dressed. If, it's, uh, if, if not, it's pajamas for drop-off, LOL. Oh, you are my sister from another mother. Uh, right? Uh, I remember the time that Jem said to me, um, can you please not come to school with crazy hair anymore? Uh, yeah. <laughs> because that is what would happen. Okay, so put on your oxygen mask first. I can't say that enough. Um, and why? There we go. No, I missed one. 
five, pack the night before. We've already brought this up a bunch of times and I think it makes a certain amount of sense. Anything that can be packed the night before, do it. I blew that this morning too. I'm currently bringing two computers to work because I'm switching from one to the other. And I'm terrified that I'm gonna need something on the old computer so I'm making myself bring it still. And I was working on both of them last night and I, I was like, oh, I'll just do it in the morning. And of course, you know, I said that about a dozen things and there I was late this morning. So pack what you can the night before and have it be part of your nighttime ritual for yourself. And you can also start to instill this in your child of any age. If your child is three and they're going to daycare in the morning, have them go through a thing at night where we go, okay, where's your bag? Let's go. And that can be the ideal time to take anything out so you don't have rotting food in the bag and to pack it for the next day and say, do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have whatever? Um, and pack it the night before so that they start to get in that regimen too. You can model the behavior, do it yourself, and teach them to do it. It's really never too early to teach your child even if it's just one thing, to their favorite thing, like you're gonna, you know you're gonna wanna take your favorite bear to Nani's tomorrow, let's put it in the bag tonight so we know where it is, right? Um, and, and that's a great way to be. I have the, the picture of the, the rocket taking off because when, when we wanna launch in the morning, we want it to be successful. They don't ever get to launch that morning and go, let's put the stuff in the spaceship now. Not ever, never happens, never. So pack the night before, learn from the astronauts. Yes, Johnny, you, you've watched this show for many years. I, I have some crazy hair. You've seen it. Uh, okay, use visual schedules and prompts. I put the clock there, an analog clock, because one of the best things that I ever heard a parent say about the morning routine was that she, our kids don't understand time the way we do. Time is an entirely different thing to them. Um, and she would stand there and say to her two boys every morning, you're gonna miss the bus. You're gonna miss the bus. Why aren't you getting ready? You're gonna miss the bus. Every morning, it was just a routine. And then they said to her, how about this? How about if you make a fake clock like that looks like this sucker here, and you set the, the things at the time that it is that they need to walk out the door to go down to the bus stop? and you put it right next to the clock on the wall and you say to them, when the clock looks like this, that's when we have to leave. And the parent was like, what? That's not gonna work. You don't understand how my boys are. And they said, well, let's just try it. And of course she put it up and the boys were like, oh. And they were like, it's time to go. We have to go now. Cause they knew, cause they understood. Cause time wasn't this amorphous thing that made no sense to them. They were like, now is when it's time to go. And they were reminding her and she went, why didn't somebody tell me about this before? Uh, right? So it's that question about how could I make this easier for myself and for them? What do I need? Because sometimes we just get into the rut of saying, you have to leave now. We have to leave now. We're going to be late. You're going to miss the bus, right? But they don't understand what the deal is. I also love, um, I don't want to set things off in your house, but you have services in your house where you call a woman's name and they will say something and you can set timers. It doesn't always have to be you. You can say, hey, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to set your things off. Hey, blah, 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 blah. Uh, set a timer for X time that, to remind us it's time to go outside to get in the car, catch the bus, whatever it is that you got to do, right? Um, but I also think that making a visual schedule for whatever the routine is, you know, really, as you look at the morning routine and go, okay, where do we get tripped up the most? Like some people will tell me, well, it's over the toothbrushing because I'm ready to walk out the door, but they've not yet brushed their teeth. So if it's something like that, make a visual schedule. So, uh, and the visual schedule can be like, first we get up in the morning and we eat breakfast, then we get dressed, whatever your routine is, and then we brush the teeth. And then we walk out the door, whatever it is. Or it can, if, if, if they've got the getting up and brushing their teeth or, um, you know, eating breakfast and getting dressed, but they don't have the brushing their teeth, then hang in the bathroom, you know, here are the four steps to brushing your teeth and have a picture or a drawing or whatever so that it reminds them so that they don't get distracted, right? And you're not going to need it forever, but it just is the thing about, and then practice it on the weekends so that it's streamlined, right? That they can get it and get it fast, right? Um, don't just sit in the, oh, we're never going to be on time anywhere, or I'm always going to have a stressful morning. Ask yourself a question. 
Where are we getting tripped up and how can I make it easier? It's that much easier. Uh, seven, oh, this is so important. Praise, 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 praise. If we really want to have successful launch in the morning, then it means that every time that they do anything that can be misconstrued as positive, that we need to dump praise on them. Hey, good job getting up. I love the way you're eating your breakfast. Hey, you're doing such a good job brushing your teeth. Thank you for putting your shoes on. Whatever it is, like praise, 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 praise. Because remember, we want to get them out the door being happy people who are going out into the onslaught of the world, prepared. Um, Joanne says, bedtime reminders from, uh, from that woman on the thing. Yes, what a great idea, Shannon. Uh, you can do it for bedtime. You can do it for any time. But it's certainly in the morning you can do it. And then it's on her. And for some reason, they don't mind it when she reminds them, right? Um, but when it comes from us, it's like, nah, 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 nah. right? Or as the Charlie Brown thing, wah, bah, bah, wah, bah, bah, wah. this is why the praise is so important so that our voice does not become the wah, bah, bah, wah, bah, bah, wah, bah. praise, 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 praise. Uh, number eight, we said we were going to create pleasant getting out of bed morning uh, moments, but what about creating a pleasant leaving moments? Okay, I watched a documentary over the weekend. It was amazing. Uh, it's up for an Oscar for documentary. It's, it's called Navalny. I thought it was naval New York, and I thought it was about naval ships in New York, so I wasn't thrilled about watching it. No, but it's about a guy named Navalny. And um, he's a Russian politician, and you know I don't want to go into it too much, but it was a fascinating documentary. But apparently there is a custom in Russia that before anyone leaves to go on a journey that they sit and there's a moment of silence. And, um, but for Navalny's family, they have this ritual that they do um, that they say, okay, you know, they're getting ready and it's like time to go out to the airport and everything and they go, oh, we have to sit first. And they're explaining to the people making the documentary, we have to sit for a moment. And Navalny sits there and he says to his family, he says, okay, do you have your passport? Do you have your computer? Do you have your keys? Like he goes down this list of things do you have? And then when they all say they do, he goes, okay. And the whole family gets up and they go out the door. But later on in the documentary, one of the other Russians reminds them, it's not about a list, Navalny. Alexei, it's not about the list. It's about having a quiet moment, about sitting for a moment. And this is what his family does. And it's a ritual that we sit for a moment before we go. It can be anything that you want. It can, like there, uh, what, are, what, are the, what are the things that my Jewish friends have on their doorway? The, is, is it a mazithra? What, no, that's an instrument. What is it called, you guys? I can't think what it's called, but it's put on the doorway. And before you go in or out, you touch that because it reminds you of who you are and what your purpose and that you're going someplace with purpose or coming home and bringing you know, the purpose home with you, right? have a leaving ritual. It can be a little dance that you do. It can be a handshake that you guys do. I'm doing the happy salmon if you haven't played that game. So fun. Um, it, it can be, uh, you know, just a checklist that you go, okay, let's stand by the door and let's, you know, you can say, so I always say to my son, who loves you? And he always says, you do, right? It can be something as simple as that. But have some sort of a ritual that kind of interrupts the rush, rush, rush pattern before you get in the car. For myself, I used to have, and someone gave me this, that whenever I, it was so hard to get him in the car seat. Oof, there was a time it was so hard, right? And, and, I, and I would be so stressed when I would drive out the driveway and somebody said, don't do that. Give yourself, get him in his five-point harness and then sit in your car seat, in, in your seat with your seatbelt on and take three breaths. And I didn't think about it, but I was doing number nine for him then. Um, but that can be the pleasant leaving ritual, right? Or it could be you get to have your iPad or, you know, whatever. But make something that makes it pleasant that we're leaving because we're always asking our kids to leave the nest, which is, I hope, pleasant. But then we have to go out and sometimes we're shocked that they're reluctant to leave the place that we made safe. Make the going something that's also safe, is my suggestion. Is it a masuza? Um, I, I, I just couldn't think what the name of it was. 
But okay, number nine, what I was talking about is model breathing. That, look, you're going to have all these things in place, but it's not always going to work. And when it doesn't work, going back to Parker's uh, thing at the beginning, we have to model what we do when it doesn't work. We have to show them. It didn't go the way I planned this morning, and my clothes weren't ready, and my bag wasn't packed. And what I really needed, my son wasn't awake, so, but what I really needed to do was stop and breathe, if not for myself, to model for other people, wow, yes, this is what works in this moment. We have the ability to reduce our children's stress by simply modeling breathing. Stop and think about that. That is a powerful tool. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to go buy anything. You can just do that right now. But whenever you are stressed, stop and take a breath and have your child see that on a regular basis. Okay. And then the last one is to send them off with love. Sometimes the morning ritual goes completely down the toilet, right? And it's terrible. And But this... This is super important to me, especially of late, because I wasn't doing this. I'm just being honest, just being real. Um, I was like given a 15-minute lecture before I would dump a certain person off. And it was I was reminded that that is not conducive for anybody to have a good day. That, you know, the thing that I want the most is to send that person off into the world feeling like they can do anything. And that's not new. That's not going to change. That's how I've always felt. Um, that's how I'm always going to feel. But I wasn't walking my talk, and I wasn't setting him up for success. That if we're going to send them out the door, we always send them off with love. Nobody knows what's going to happen today. I think all the time, see, I'm getting emotional, but I think all the time about the parents of the Newtown kids. It's hard when we when we let go of our kids and send them someplace. And and with all the things that happen in the world, it's like it's hard. It's really, really hard. But I don't ever want to send my child off um, into the world, even if it's gonna be a perfect day where nothing is gonna go wrong. I don't want to send him off uh, feeling anything other than love. So no matter how bad the morning ritual has gone, no matter how late you are. Even if it all goes completely down the toilet, always remember to send them off with love, knowing that they're loved, that you have said, I love you, and you're amazing. Uh, even if you're not sure if they understand, I think they do. Even if your kids are completely nonverbal and show no signs that they understand a single thing that you say, they get that. We've heard that from so many adults that later have the ability to communicate. They understand feeling. They understand when they are loved. Send them out the door with love, always. And here's the thing. I know this firsthand. When you send them off with love, you spend the rest of the day feeling like you're a good parent. When you don't send them off with love, when you send them off when you're angry or you've given a lecture or whatever, you spend the rest of the day feeling like a piece of you-know-what. So if we have a choice here, why wouldn't we always choose love? Send them out the door with love to face whatever they have to face. Uh, uh, so interesting, that is sounded great in the car, super low on my laptop. Uh, okay, that's interesting that on certain devices our volume is not uh, as, I don't know what that means. I don't know, I have no idea what that means. But anyway, uh, Trayvon will check that out. So we're out of time, but i got to tell you a little bit about this week because it's super fun. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have Dr. Doreen Grampichet on. Did we, we did set a topic. I can't ever remember what it is now. Tell me if you can, Traven, uh, that we're going to be starting off. Oh, because it's in, in light of Valentine's Day. We're going to be talking about dating and romance and relationships on the spectrum. So you're going to want to tune in for that because you really want to start young. Uh, on these kinds of skills. So we're going to be talking about that tomorrow. Thank you, Trayvon. Then on Wednesday, we've got some jargon for you, but also we're going to have a guy who teaches scuba to young adults and adults on the spectrum. I, I can't wait to find out what that's about. have no idea. Um, on Thursday, we've got Let's Talk All the Things with our fabulous friend, Rachel Bird. She's going to be here. And She's got a new recipe for you and a new craft for you. 
that's going to help us all to get with our kids to get a little bit more organized. You're going to love it. So uh, absolutely uh, great. And then, of course, on Friday, stories from the spectrum. So that's how our week is shaping up. We hope you'll join us for all of that. I also want to remind you, we, we teased this last week, but uh, we are in the full-on mode now, and you're going to start to see things about this that we have chosen for the month of April. We're going to do something called the Autism Network Podcastathon, 44 hours nonstop live. Yes, you heard me, 44 hours. This is what we're going to attempt to do, 44 hours live stream, hopefully no breaks. Uh, it's going to be crazy. It's going to start on April 4th. It will end on April 6th. You're going to want to be here. We're lining up all kinds of celebrity guests and experts, and uh, we hope to have a ton of different charities and other podcasts. We're going to be because we can't do this by ourselves. I can't be here for 44 hours. This girl needs some sleep. So all of that, it's free to you. That is uh, April fourth through the sixth we'll start at 3 p.m on april 4th and it will end at approximately 11 a.m on april 6th we're going to do some information and inspiration uh we're calling it the podcastathon the autism network podcastathon 44 hours 44 hours uh can't wait so uh, we're going to be giving you more information about that. And we are also getting some great giveaway things that we're going to be giving away some pretty fabulous prizes uh, throughout the podcast-a-thon. So looking forward to all of that with you. But tomorrow, Dr. Doreen, until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>